0: Welcome to CEO and Founder Magic, the podcast for entrepreneurs with stories to tell about your success. I'm Sheila Clefcorn, professional fractional CMO for B2B companies and host of the podcast. I'm deeply committed to transforming the world through technology, one company at a time. So stick with me until the end of the show and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest with just 15 to 20 minutes of your time. I'm glad you're here. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am excited to have Giovanni Gallo, co-CEO of Compliance Line, found on the web at complianceline.com with us today. So Giovanni, tell me at a high level, what does your company do?
1: Yeah, so uh, to our market, we are providing solutions that help compliance and ethics and HR leaders manage their culture better, By getting an understanding of what's going wrong and how to fix and build stronger cultures of integrity around their people issues we're not compliance for kind of software or building safety compliance we're about people compliance and for leaders the way that you should think about this is there's a bunch of things that happen in your company that you don't know about that you can't scan an email about it's the the interactions and decisions that people make and we're doing a bunch of things to do manage investigations and helping people speak up and monitor and do screening and stuff like that to help you figure those things out. Because we believe that taking a culture from being unhealthy or low integrity through it to being compliant all the way to it being healthy is the most important thing that any leader can do. We think that it's all about culture because it's all about people and those are intrinsically entwined.
0: That's great. So how did you get on this journey? Compliance is not something that we wake up as a kid and want to do when we grow up. So it sounds like you've been on an interesting journey to get here. And it's a really important thing, especially today. And so many leaders talk about culture all the time, but I don't know that the topic of compliance comes up.
1: Yeah. um, So I guess, Sheila, you're saying in third grade, you didn't raise your hand and say, (laughs) when I grow up, I want to be a compliance officer. That's all right. Join the club. I think everyone is in that club. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I came to this a few different ways when, you know, it really started when I was a kid in junior high, my parents started their own company and, you know, they were entrepreneurs and they, we, we had a family business and I saw that the way that they, the culture that they built into that company before I even knew that term or knew really about that, it really made a difference in how their employees showed up to work, how they could take care of their customers and ultimately, you know, what our family was able to do through that business. So that's what set off my passion and desire to be a business leader and to provide good jobs for people. And um, and then, you know, why compliance was, I was at a company that owned several different healthcare businesses. And we had noticed this thing that the ones that really outperformed everyone else had a strong compliance function, among other things, of course. Mm-hmm. But we noticed that correlation. Um, and, you know, that's what led me into this compliance space and ultimately compliance line. And as luck would have it, you know, really, healthcare and finance were well above the curve or ahead of the curve on mm-hmm. understanding that when you have a complex business of a bunch of knowledge workers, getting that compliance right is how you get your hands around the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I kind of came in into this through healthcare, and then in the past five and ten years, kind of all these other companies and industries and manufacturing and in retail and all of that stuff has realized, hey, you know what? I really need to make sure that we run an ethical company. This is really not like 1990s compliance with regulatory mandates. This is around doing the right thing, whether the government requires it, whether your industry expects it, or increasingly, whether your employees demand it in order to, you know, be retained at work and not quit and, uh, you know, not be part of this great uh, resignation or just to show up and be engaged instead of like all of that deadweight loss that happens when employees don't care about their job and don't believe in their manager and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. We think that building a strong culture is the key to that. And thankfully, this compliance industry over the past 20 years have been building the tools to manage culture in ways that, you know, marketing or technology or operations really weren't focused on. So that's exactly yeah. what
0: That's great. and And it's true. And these conversations, happen at all kinds of levels, um, for smaller companies, bigger companies. I think a lot of people think compliance is just for big companies, but maybe you can give a couple of examples when a a smaller or even a mid-market business um, has made some inroads and, and it's made an impact.
1: It's a great question, Sheila. So, you know, I would start just by saying that what we say is that compliance is culture, ethics is for everybody. So. Um, sure, there are some things that a massive $6 billion company is going to do for compliance that you're not going to do if you're 50 or 500 people, but they're also doing that in their marketing division. And they're also doing that in their legal and their operations and all of that, all of that different stuff. They're probably running a different server setup than you guys are or something like that. So ethics is for everybody. And we believe here at Compliance Line, we're trying to make the world a better workplace. And we don't believe that there's any single employee That is too inconsequential to not that they don't deserve to live in an ethical environment. So when you look at it like that, it's just, it's not a function of the number of people. It's a function of you have people in your business, you should be focused on culture and ethics. Um, And then when you look at it that way, then it's not a question of whether you do anything around ethics and integrity and compliance, but how do you scale that for your business? And for us, because of our mission and our heart to make the world a better workplace, not just the Fortune 500 more compliant, we scale our software. You know we, we sell software, so that's easy to scale that and say, "Hey, if you're a single person spending 20 percent of your time trying to figure this stuff out, well then you can get a toehold in this, and you can use big company workflows and organization and data management and reporting without having to, you know spend 15 percent of your budget on uh, this platform or something like that. Um, and you know it, it, it ends up being so well worth the investment that people make into it, because once your employees understand that those values you put on the wall, that thing that you said at the annual meeting about how my people are the most important asset to the company and stuff like that, when you back that up with real action and this guy was doing something wrong and he got retrained or he got let go and we made the right decision in line with our values instead of just you know uh, giving people a pass, when employees can engage in that and they can be part of solving that problem, then people say, hey, you know what, this company is different from the other companies I've worked at. It's not just, you know, empty words in the wall and empty promises, but we're actually doing something about it. And that's Mm -hmm. really the first step to getting your ethics program right is backing up what you say that you do. And just a little bit of compliance software, a little bit of tweak to your program, a little bit of more thoughtful way that you engage employees around this conversation around culture and ethics uh, can really go a long way.
0: That's great. Well, You know, compliance and ethics, I think nobody would disagree that it's an important thing, or at least most people would not disagree that it's an important thing. But I think it's uh, nebulous for people. It's hard to think about how how would I become more compliant? I think I'm a good leader. I think I'm doing a good job. I think my culture is great. So, So does your program include training or something up front so they get a baseline before they would start using software? Or how would a a company even start thinking about this?
1: Yeah, so I would generally uh, take a top down and bottom up approach to it. So the bottom up approach is simply trying to figure out how you can get your employees to know that you care about these things and to speak up if they uh, if they see something that's wrong or they have a bad experience. So so, that, so what does that, that thing- look
0: like for a company? They have a suggestion box or, uh, I mean, that's kind of old school, but but yeah, that how kind of would thing. you enable a, a from the ground
1: up? Yeah, you can say, "Hey guys, we're rolling this thing out. We're investing in this because uh, we think that there are probably times where something bad happens and you don't know where to turn. So we have this mobile app. You can download it now or when you need it. Or we have a web form. You can find this link in five different places. Or it can be a, a comment box. Or you know, go to you know Annabelle's office or whatever it is and say." hey, we want to hear about this stuff. That's the bottom-up approach. And make sure that your employees know that this is their company, this is our company. And if something's going wrong, even if there's some bad guy or some tone-deaf lady or some boss that doesn't know what to do, there's someone who cares about that and we want to hear about it. That's a very easy thing that you can you know, you know, can get that message out to employees and then can say, okay, well then what are those things that are bad? Sometimes it's just like, I feel that that was really unfair and I'd like to, I'd like something to be done about that. You don't need to do a lot of training for people's like natural sense of fairness Um, or it can be, you know, specific things about cybersecurity or HIPAA or whatever it is. And then from the top down, you want to figure out how you define that for yourself, right? Like you probably have a lawyer that said, Hey, you know, make sure that, you know, nobody's assaulting people in your workplace um, or, you know, make sure you follow these laws and here are the safety things and here, here's OSHA and stuff like that. So you're probably fine on that, right? There aren't a lot of business owners who are saying, Hey, I'm going to try to get away with a bunch of OSHA violations. So you're probably (laughs) fine on that, but then, you know, figure out what's the next level. What is, what are the industry standards? What are the things that fit in our culture? And then what are the things that I want us to be this type of company? And then, and then from the top down, figure out how you do that. You can do it with training. You can do it with policies. You can do it with surveys and audits and making sure that things are happening. Um, But, you know, maybe 20 years ago you needed a you know, white shoe lawyer to be able to implement this program for you. At this point, a lot of it is easily available. It's easy to implement you know, a software solution that scales across your team and you don't need an administrator you know, spending 20 hours a week making sure it's clean. Um, and you can just take some of those steps. And you know, if you get 1% better a day, then you're gonna be three times better by the end of the year and you just need mm-hmm. to pay some pay some attention to it. But the starting point for that is for you to be convinced that, like, you know, that thing that you were saying, Sheila, I'm probably a good leader, fine. Let's assume that everyone listening to this podcast, you're a great leader and you're really kind and you have excellent integrity. Well, if you're not like running a solo taco stand where you're the only person there, there are a bunch of interactions happening between people. And there might be some people who, Maybe they're like a sociopath and you just don't realize it. But more likely than that, a hundred times more likely than that is someone just they don't know the right way to do it or they're tone deaf or they don't understand the risk behind that thing. And if you do a little bit to clean up that that, that stuff, like the improvement from going from zero to something is massive. I mean, it's infinite if you're multiplying. <laughs> but the improvement of just getting into the game uh, is such an easy step forward that I encourage everyone to ask that question and say, okay, what's something I can do this quarter?
0: Mm -hmm. And so who in an organization typically starts this kind of an effort? Is it, does it come out of HR? Does it come out of the C-suite? Those might be the Um, same.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it might be. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, generally it started by the person who cares. So that might be HR, and they may go to a conference and hear about this and say, "Hey, we should really do exit interviews. Who's someone who does those well? Or we should do stay interviews, or we should, you know, make sure that uh, you know employees are speaking up when they say something." Um, so, like HR is part of it. Um, you know, at larger companies, they have a named compliance officer and they know these basics and they do it. Um, a lot of times, it is just the CEO or the board. You, you know, I mean, hopefully, you don't have to wait for this. But when you see the competitor across town or someone else, in the news, or getting blown up on Twitter, or just having a you know an embarrassing exodus of a bunch of their mid-level and senior people, and you're like, there's obviously something going on there. Someone messed up. When that stuff happens, uh, you can see it, you know, at the massive Fortune 100 companies, or you can see it, it with your peers, or you can just know that it happens and say, hey, you know what? I it's probably worth a uh, an ounce of prevention to do that, um, and to jump in and do it.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, I know you have an inspiring mission and you really care about this, but can you share a story of a company or an organization that has really been transformed by what you and Compliance Line do? Uh,
1: yeah, so I'll mention one. I'd, uh, I'll, I'll uh, leave them nameless because we're very mum's the word in compliance. Um, but there was this uh, major university that we worked with and they had this challenge where this thing of how do we do compliance and alignment and culture and how safe are you know staff and faculty and students in these different buildings around campus and these different campuses that we have. Um, they said, hey, you know, this stuff is all so fragmented. Um, and they ended up saying, hey, we want to take a fresh approach to this. How can you guys help us? And we're not consultants, so we don't, you know, say, hey, we're going to send 15 people out and they're going to go run all these sessions and stuff like that. But we say, hey, you can you you can get all of these issues that are reported into a common place, and you can also engage the different sub leaders from these different you know microcultures around your organization to be engaged in a common discussion about how do we handle these things? Are we seeing the same issues? And you can do that frequently or ad hoc or whatever it is. And it took a couple years because this was a you know bigger organization than we've been talking about, like you know more than a few thousand people, but. Um, their commitment to getting alignment across all those microcultures um, and having that supported by a software platform and a like a, a set of data that could be reported and compared allowed them to drive drive a lot of conversations. And your analog for this might be, hey, you know what? My marketing team is great. They're high integrity. They take care of their people, but operations, they got all this turnover here and you know something's going wrong there. Well when you can get people in the same room and say, hey, we're all focusing on this priority, let's try to learn from each other and things like that, they did that and they were able to, you know, move past this uh, insularity and this kind of fiefdom attitude into getting at least the people who cared about high integrity, um, uh, ethical culture coming together. And then they ended up actually saving a ton of money, not just on like, we probably didn't get sued this year, but they ended up consolidating a lot of that effort um, and leveraging some of the tools that they had in place in order to get a single view for the top leadership and also see an improvement in, you know, the the retention of their people, the, uh, the frequency with which someone would speak up and say, hey, you know what, this isn't right. Someone needs to do, do something about this. And uh, ultimately their cycle time to end up getting from, you know, awareness of, a, of an issue to resolution. Um, all of those things improved because they made, you know, just kind of consistent steps um, over a year or two to, you know, get a more consolidated view. And, you know, to your point earlier, Sheila, We as leaders think, hey, you know what? I have a great team. I believe them. I trust them. Um, Ultimately, none of us can know exactly all of the things that all the employees do every hour of their day and every minute of their day. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so you need to put a little safety net under that. And um, you know, more and more companies are realizing that no matter your size, it's worth it to put a compliance and ethics program in place and do a little bit more than you've been doing.
0: That's great. Well, I think for our listeners, this has been really useful. I'm not sure it's an area that they spend as much time as they think about sales or marketing or even yep. just customer service and executing on their programs. And this mm-hmm. is something that increasingly is really important for companies. It's a tough environment to attract and retain top talent. And the more of a culture that we can uh, make sure we take good care of, Uh, through this kind of thing is really important. So if there is one takeaway that you would share with our audience today, what would it be?
1: My takeaway would be that the things that you're focusing on that you're trying to optimize around growth, go-to-market strategy, expansion, if you're trying to play a long game for your business and for your people, getting your culture right now, today, this quarter, this year, is something that is going to pay exponential dividends as you continue to scale. And this is not the type of thing that, well, we could optimize our ERP or our payroll system in a few years. Um, That's a cost center mentality. Your culture is not a cost center. Your culture is the engine that drives the people who drive your business and building a culture of integrity and ethics is one of the, most powerful ways that you can send a signal to your employees that they matter and that the, the experience that they have within your company is something that that they can and should be proud of and want to continue doing.
0: Well said. Well Giovanni, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We are really grateful for the information that you have shared. If someone who's listening wants to get in touch with you, how would they best do that?
1: Uh, yeah, with me, it's probably easiest to find me on LinkedIn. I'm Giovanni Gallo. And um, if you want to you know, check out our company, you can check us out on LinkedIn. We do a bunch of teaching around this that is not salesy, but we do webinars to explain these concepts to people. Um, you can check us out on LinkedIn and some other social platforms or go to complianceline.com.
0: Great. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, Giovanni. Look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks so much.
1: Glad to be here, Sheila. Thanks for the time.
0: Thank you for listening to CEO and Founder Magic, the podcast for entrepreneurs with stories to tell about your success. If you felt like this podcast interview captured your story, would you share it on social media? It's easy. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your social account. Be sure to use hashtag CEO Founder Magic and tag anyone you think would be a great guest i love to see your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to be sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe and we'll be excited to have you listen. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. And if you know of other business to business company CEOs who have compelling stories and who might like to be on this program as well, please visit K E O dot bz slash book today that's keo dot bz slash book today and if you want to know more about our fractional cmo program just go to our website do a, a search on services for fractional cmo or you can follow me on linkedin facebook and instagram at keo marketing thanks for listening we'll see you next time i'm sheila cleft and it's been a pleasure having you on ceo and foundation